God, we love you. We give you praise. God, you are amazing. God, we come this morning fully believing that you are who you say you are, that you can do the things that you say you'll do. God, we come fully believing and fully worshiping this morning. God, we give you everything that we have this morning, all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. It all goes to you. God, as we open up your word, as we dive in this morning to what you have to say to us in your scriptures, we continue this more than a feeling series. God, would you just move through your word? Would you speak through me this morning? God, no one came to hear from Pastor Chris. We all come to hear from you. God, would we just hear from you in a powerful way this morning? God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are in actually week 12 of our More Than a Feeling series. Uh, we've, like I've been saying, we've got a couple parts of this series going. We've got part one that was the first eight weeks talking about what we believe and why we believe it, how what we believe is not based on feeling, it's not based on uh, relativity, it's not based on opinion, it is based on the truth that we find in this word, which is truth. And so this part two, as we've been talking about some of the practices that we have as believers, as people who know Christ and who claim Christ and who follow Christ, we've been talking about if those beliefs are true, if we really believe what we say we believe, if we believe that God is who he says he is, if we believe he's going to do the things he says he'll do, if we believe all of that, then how, how then should we live? What are some of the practices that we need to have as believers? And so far we've talked about prayer. We've talked about worship. Last week, uh, <clears throat> last week, we talked about discipleship. We talked about growth. Right? A growth and learning and obeying the Bible personally and in community. That's what discipleship is. That's what, that what growth is. It's learning and obeying the Bible personally and in community. This morning, we're going to kind of highlight that last piece there, the community part. Because I think... One of the other practices that we see in Scripture that Jesus is constantly calling his people to is to be in and be a part of a community. Right? Community is, is something that we need to do. There's a, a word that gets used a lot in the church. It's fellowship. Right? Fellowship is something we say. We even have a fellowship hall here at the church because we like to fellowship. Right? Fellowship is a big deal. It's a kind of interchangeable word nowadays with community. We like to talk about community. There's community centers instead of fellowship halls at some churches now. It's, it's, a, it's the same thing. We're talking about the same thing. But it's an important thing that we're talking about. Whatever word you want to use, what we're talking about here this morning is kind of the interconnectedness that God has called us to as believers. That God has designed us for as believers. That God has designed you and I to be in and to be a part of a community. A community of believers who love each other, who honor one another. We're going to talk about some of this stuff today. God has called us to be a part of this community. Here's what I know about this community. The early church was devoted to it. The early church was devoted to community. It was devoted to fellowship. 
In fact, we've, we've talked about Acts 2 a few times, uh, actually pretty often during this series. I want to just go there once again today, Acts chapter 2. Uh, if you want to follow along, we're going to be there just real quick. It's on page 937. But Acts chapter 2, just in verse 42, we won't read the whole passage, just verse 42. I want you to listen to what, the, what, the, what they were devoted to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which... We talked about that last week, discipleship. We talked about growing and, and listening and learning and obeying. We talked about this. They devoted those apostles' teaching to fellowship, which we'll talk about today, to this community. They were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks, and to prayer, which we talked about in kind of week one of part two. They were devoted to these things. These were the things that defined this community. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to fellowship, community. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted. This word fellowship, even in Acts chapter 2, is the Greek word koinonia, uh, which is a fun word to say, uh, and it's a a fun word to write in Greek as well. The letters are really interesting. Uh, But this this word is a great word. It just means commonality or, uh, or... commonness. It's just having everything in common. This community where, where everything is common. Right, which, which I think is just a beautiful picture of community. They were devoted to this. I was trying to think this, this week as I was preparing for this weekend. If we want to talk about community and the disciples and the apostles and the early church, they were devoted to community. Where do we go in Scripture to talk about community? And there are so many places that we could have gone to talk about community. And there are it just there are so many quote unquote one another passages just in the New Testament. Jesus and Paul and these writers in the New Testament are constantly talking about how we treat one another, how we are with one another, how we love one another, how we honor one another, how we care for one another, how we encourage one another, how we, you know, you could fill in the blank to one another, how we are, how we relate to one another. This is a common kind of thread in the New Testament. But there's one passage in particular that I think kind of gives us a great idea of what it means to live in this community and to experience this community, what it means to, to be a part of the fellowship. To be a part of the community that God has placed us in. And so I want to just go this morning uh, to Romans chapter 12. We're going to spend the rest of our time here in Romans chapter 12 as we talk about what God has for us in community. And we're actually going to read the whole thing. If you're in one of our pew Bibles, it's on page 975, Romans chapter 12. Um, I just want to, we're just going to, I just want you to hear this. Follow along in your Bibles. Just listen to the words that are, that are coming from Paul's pen here as we, as we listen to this. Starting at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This chapter is just jam-packed with how we interact and how we relate to each other in community. It's not just jam-packed with that. I don't know if you noticed, it's jam-packed with commands. And there's a lot of be this, be that, do this, do that. Right, there, there are a lot of commands, but not, it's not just commands for command's sake. It's not just be devoted to one another because I'm saying to be devoted to one another. You cannot read verses 3 and on in Romans chapter 12 without reading verses 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In view of God's mercy... Because of the mercy of God, this is how we should treat each other. Because of the mercy of God, this then is how we should live. Because of the mercy. I love this passage. It says, therefore. Right? I always tell you when we read a therefore in Scripture, we've got to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Right? Romans has, he, Paul in Romans has just spent the first 11 chapters probably painting the most beautiful picture of God's mercy that we have in the Bible. I mean, you get chapters 1 and 3 in Romans, 1 through 3. And in chapters 1 through 3, Paul is talking about sin and the effects of sin. And Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory, right? This is, this is what we have. And, and in verse 24, is probably one of the best scriptures, right? We get Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. Verse 24, but all are justified freely by grace through Jesus Christ. All right, we have these first three chapters of Romans talking about kind of who we are and, and how sin works in our lives and the effects of sin in our lives. And then we get to chapters 4 and 5 and we get just, just, to the, just Paul just declaring the mercy of God. That we are declared righteous before God by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what chapters 4 and 5 are about. We move on from there. We've talked about sin. We've talked about mercy. Chapter 6 is, look, you were dead to sin, but now you are made alive in Christ. 
You're, you're now alive. You are alive in Christ. Chapter 7, Paul talks about his struggles. And his struggles are so relatable to us. Paul just says, hey, look, I do what I don't want to do. And what I don't want to do, I just keep on doing. Have you been there? It kind of talks about this, this journey that he's having. He talks about all of this. And then chapter 8, we begin. Chapter 8, talking about all of that. Talking about you were dead to sin, you're alive in Christ. Paul talking about his struggles. Chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And then he ends that same chapter saying, There is nothing that could separate you and me from the love of Christ. And then we get chapters 9 through 11. And he's just reiterating here the, the, the free grace that, that God pours on us. And then we get to chapter 12. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, because of all of this stuff that we have just talked about, because look where you were. You were once dead in your sin, but now you have been made alive in Christ. Through, by grace, through faith, you have been saved. There is now no more condemnation because you are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. Because of that, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is true worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. And then he just starts to move in. This is how... You should treat one another. What does a renewed mind look like? What does a transformed mind look like? How do we live out what we've just been given? And he begins to just talk about how we live in this community. How we practice this community. How we practice this fellowship. How we, how we live this out. And he just begins to outline just all kinds of stuff in here. There are 25 commands in Romans chapter 12 about how to, how to treat each other, how to relate to one another. I don't have time this morning to go through all 25, but I want to go through some of them because they're important. I mean, he, he starts out just saying, look, we, we belong to each other. You and I, we belong to each other. Verse 3 and 5, 3 through 5, just this beautiful picture of, of, this, of a body. Right? We all have bodies. Just, verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other members. Paul just says it straight out here. Each member belongs to the other members. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. You know, we, we it, it sounds so simple, right? But, but it's vital to remember this. We belong together because we are part of Christ's body. Jesus Christ brings us together, places us together. We are all one body. We are not one for any other reason than that we are one in Christ. We are one. We belong together. I love this imagery of, of a mosaic when I think of this. I think of a mosaic and you just think of all these little tiny pieces of tile that, I mean, some of them are just broken. Some of them are, you know, they're faded out. Some of them are just garbage. 
If you were just to see a bunch of these tiles that are in the mosaic and they are pulled out of the mosaic, you would throw them in the garbage because they, are, they look like garbage. But you put them together. I don't know if you just, just Google image mosaic later today and just look at some of the beauty that can be made out of these little pieces of tile, these little pieces of, of what seem like trash put together, polished up, and just makes this beautiful, beautiful imagery. This reminds me so much of the body of Christ. There's not one of us that are perfect. There's not one of us that that really have it all together. But you put us all together in one body. You put us all together in the body of Christ. Allow Jesus to polish us up a little bit. Take our sin and make him him white as snow. And man, just the, the beauty of the church is amazing. We belong to each other. And not only do we belong to each other, we are, we are gifted for one another. I mean, it even continues on with this imagery of being many parts with one body. We are gifted. We, each and every single one of us has been gifted by God to participate with each other in the church. Each and every one of us have a gift. Now, Paul lists a few gifts here, but he's not saying you need to pick one of these and do it. There's, there's other places in Scripture where we have lists of gifts. There's Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. I, I, the, the point here is not to point out which gift that I have. The point is to be thinking about, how, God, how have you gifted me? What are some of the ways in which you have gifted me? And how can I use that for your glory in the church and out in the world? What can I, what can I do? God, how have you gifted me? How, how have you gifted me specifically to do this? Yeah, this is the 50th year anniversary of the Apollo 11, right? Going to the moon. I've uh, been watching a lot and reading a lot about this. That's just so cool. There was a, one article that I was reading, and it was talking about just all the, all the moving parts that had to come together to make Apollo 11 a success. And you see pictures uh, and you see a film of just the, the room in Houston of all these men who every single one of them has a job. Every single one of them has something important to do. I read someplace that there were over a million pieces on the rocket that went up. They needed a 99.9% success rate to make it. Can you imagine that? One of the articles I read, there was a quote, said, Never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. Never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. I read that this week, and I just thought, That's not just true for Apollo 11. That's true for this church. That's true for the church overall. That a group of committed people can change the world. If we're committed to belonging to each other, if we're committed to using our gifts in this church to to build the church up, to build each other up, then man, we can, I know that we can change the world. Paul keeps going here. We need to 
sorry. We need to, we belong to one another. We are gifted for one another. He keeps going, we must love one another. He says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Not fake, not superficial love, but deep, authentic, real, powerful love. The word that he uses here is agape love. It's a God kind of love. This, this love that is unconditional. This love that, that is not contractual. It has no thoughts of loving you because of what you can give me or loving you because of what you bring to the table. It doesn't matter if you bring anything to the table. It doesn't matter if anybody brings anything to the table. Paul just says love, this unconditional kind of love, must be sincere. We need to love each other with, with this kind of love, with this agape, unconditional kind of love. And then he goes on, we need to care for one another. Right, it says in, in, uh, in the next verse, verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Now you might think that's a repeat. Paul, love must be sincere. And then the next verse, be devoted to one another in love. It's different. This first one, he's saying love must be sincere. This agape, unconditional love, this love where it doesn't matter what you're bringing to the table, all that matters is that I love you. This kind of love needs to be sincere. This next kind of love, be devoted to one another in love, this is a family kind of love. This is a, a Philadelphia kind of love, a brotherly love, a familial love, a, the kind of love that a family shows toward each other. Be devoted to one another with this kind of love. I mean, I think about my family, and I think about how much I care for them and how much I love my family. This is the kind of love that we need to have for each other in this community. In fact, in some cases, the love that we find for each other in the church is deeper than some family kind of love. This is the way that God has created Love must be sincere. We must love for another. We must care for one another. He keeps going in verse 10. We must honor one another. It means we work hard to to bring each other up. It means we work hard to encourage one another, to build each other up, to avoid tearing down. Ephesians 4 talks about the power of our words and the power of our words to, to bring each other down. That's not the that's not the way we need to act with each other. It's not the way that we need to, to be with each other. We need to honor one another. We need to motivate one another. All right, verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Have you ever been around someone who just makes you think, I'm better for being around that person? Have you ever been around someone that just is working so hard and is in just kind of like a, just feels like they're three steps ahead of you and you want to catch up. And when each and every one of us, when we, if we can keep our spiritual fervor, if we can keep our spiritual zeal and just keep chasing after God, that motivates everyone else in the church to do the same. We motivate each other. We, we keep praying for each other. We, I hope and pray that this, that this is the kind of community that we have here at this church, that we, that we just continue with our zeal, that we have a spiritual fervor. We motivate one another. He keeps going. We share with one another. And this is something that you see over and over and over in Scripture, the sharing with one another. Everybody talks about <clears throat> share with the Lord's people who are in need. 
practice hospitality. Verse 13. This is something that Jesus talks about over and over again. Care for one another. If you see someone, give him your coat. As you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. He's talking about just, just caring for one another, sharing, sharing with one another. If someone is in need, we, we share. We help them. Another thing, we rejoice with one another. Verse 15, we rejoice with those who rejoice. This is one of, the, I think, the coolest things that we do in the church. This one and the next one. Is that when someone is having just this amazing time, when someone is, is rejoicing, they just had a family member come to Christ, or they just got a new job, or they just had a baby, or you know, they're, they're rejoicing in their life, that everyone just comes around them and just rejoices with them. That's one of the coolest things. The next one is also one of the coolest things. We mourn with those who mourn. Not only do we just... Are, not only do we rejoice with those who rejoice, we're not just happy for people when they're happy. We're, we're happy with people when they're happy. But we also mourn with people when they mourn. I remember distinctly, I was doing a series here at this church. And this series was one of the hardest series that we did. We were talking about... Uh, dealing with opposition, dealing with hard times. And every week, I would pray over you as the church. And one week I prayed over you, I pray that you will go through opposition this week so that God, you will, you will feel God with you as you're in this. And that week, someone lost a job. That week, a family member died. That week, I can't remember the third thing, but there were three people, and oh, one person got diagnosed with cancer. That next week, at the very beginning of service, we gathered those three people, we brought them up to the altar, and as a church, we prayed for these people. I'll never forget that, because I've never seen the church be the church in a more real, authentic way than that morning. We were mourning with those who are mourning. In the same way that we rejoice when people rejoice. This is what it means to be a part of this community. The last thing I want to talk about this morning is that we, we bear with one another. Verse 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. Now, I said bear with one another, but here's, here's why. Living in harmony with one another requires humility. As I think that's why the next verse says, uh, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I think the reality is that as the church, we are made up of human beings. Human beings say some things that we shouldn't say sometimes. We do some things that we shouldn't do sometimes. We offend people sometimes. 
I think I, I said we need to bear with one another because I think in order to live in harmony with one another, we need to bear with one another. We need to understand the fact that people are people. People aren't perfect. We're going to be offended sometimes. We're going to be hurt sometimes. But we need to be humble enough to live in harmony with each other. He even says this, as much, uh, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We need to bear with each other. We need to bear each other's burdens, like I said, mourn with everybody who mourns. We need to bear with each other just in our humanity. Because people are people. People aren't perfect. But we need to bear with each other in this community. See, Paul, I think, I mean, he goes on another other to talk about some, some other things that we need to do as a part of this community, this, this gospel community, this Bible-believing, Christ-following community. What does it look like to be the people of God it is being a part of this community. What does it look like to be a part of this community? We need to love each other. We belong to each other. We are gifted for each other. We need to mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. We need to bear with one another. We need to encourage one another, care for one another. We need to, there are so many one another's that we need to do. This is literally just scratching the surface of all the one another's in the New Testament. It's clear in Scripture that one of the main things that we need to do, if we believe what we say we believe, one of the main things that we need to do and to be a part of is to be a part of this community, of the church community. We need to be a part of the fellowship. And that means humbling ourselves sometimes. It means a lot of different things. But here's what happens. When we become the community that God has created us to be, when we play the role and play the part that we've been given in this community, and people see the love that we have for each other, people see the relationship that we have for each other, they see that it's authentic, that it's not just a, we all go to church together, but there's something deeper there. God is glorified in that. Because they don't just see you and I. They see God in and through this relationship. They see God in and through this community. And that's what this community, that's what being a part of the church community is all about. At the end of that passage in Acts chapter 2, they're devoted together. They're devoted to one another and to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They gathered together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Anybody that had need, they, they pulled their resources together to give to those who had need. At the very end of that paragraph, there's a line. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Think about that. These people were devoted to these things. This was their life. They were devoted to these practices. They were devoted to these things. And the Lord added daily to their number, those who were being saved. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that what we're here for? 
Isn't that why we come and we worship? Isn't that why we come and dive into the Word? Isn't that why we come to be together? We want to see God's, God's name glorified in the whole world. We want to see more and more people come to know Him. We want to see just... We want to see people's lives change. We want to see communities change. We want to see differences made in people's lives. This is what it's all about. One of the ways that we can do this, based on this truth, is by being committed to the fellowship. Being committed to the community. And all that goes in with that. My prayer this week is that you would begin to think about this. How have I been gifted? How can I better love those around me? How can I better care for those around me? How can I, how can I come around those people who are mourning? How can I come around those people who are rejoicing? How can I, how can I bear with someone else? How can I, do I need to humble myself this week, God? Would you, just, would you show me how I can play my part in this community? That's my prayer for you this week, that you would, you would pray that, you would seek the Lord in this, and that he would answer your prayer. Let's pray. God, we love you. We give you thanks, we give you praise. God, you are amazing. God, you have called each and every one of us to play a part in the fellowship, in the community. God, this week as we go forward, would you show us what that looks like? God, how can we live this out in a better way? God, and if we are living out, would you just encourage us and, and push us forward, push us deeper in? God, we just, we give you praise this morning. And we worship you because of who you are, because of all you have done. God, we, we want to play a part in this community. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see more and more people come to know who you are, God. Would you bless us in the same way that you've blessed Acts 2 Church, God. That as they were devoted to these things, as they were devoted to the teaching and to fellowship and to prayer and to just, God, would, would you just... Would you bless us in the same way? Would we see people added daily, those who are being saved? God, would we see lives changed and people come to know you in brand new ways? God, would we just see you move in a mighty way as we commit to being a part of the community that you have you've given us? God, you are great. You are greatly to be praised. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Let me just say a blessing over you. Would you just hold your hands out and just receive this blessing? May our God, the God who created each and every one of you, the God who created the church, who ordained this community, would he go with you and ahead of you this week? Would he challenge you and shape you as you dive into his word? Would he speak to you and would you hear him as you pray? And would our God give you courage and boldness this week as you go forward that you might make a difference for him and your community? Go in the love and peace of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for coming this morning.